Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to episode 55 for the love of the game. Let's rock. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Episode 55 for the love of the game, powered by Overtime Media. The double nickel episode, a la Michael Jordan, 1995. Seriously crazy that there are people out there that truly believe that LeBron James is better than Jordan. I mean, just uh, watch those classic highlights, the double nickel game in Madison Square Garden. I mean, come on, a lot of idiots out there. But, hey, that's a whole nother podcast, one that I anticipate doing in the future. But anyway, the sports calendar is heating up, people. Baseball races are in full effect. The U.S. Open started this week. In fact, it started yesterday. Just a great event that I truly uh, enjoy a tremendous amount. I try to attend once a year. I'm actually planning on being there tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. The FIBA basketball tournament is inching closer. Team USA actually lost an exhibition game to Australia. But for the most part, in the exhibition games, they played pretty well, so we'll see what transpires there. And of course, football season is upon us. The college season kicked off last weekend with Florida beating Miami, and the NFL season is right around the corner. Summer's coming to a close. I'm getting a little sad, but the beat goes on. A couple of thoughts from the last few days before we get into tonight's main topics. Got some good conversations on tap for tonight, so let's jump right in. The Yankees had a huge series this past weekend against the L.A. Dodgers in Los Angeles. Some would say it's a World Series preview. Off the heels of getting swept by Oakland in three games, the Yankees needed a really good showing in L.A. The Yankees were facing Ryu and Kershaw. Uh, The pitching matchups weren't necessarily in their favor. And uh, especially with Domingo Herman's struggles on the road, you know, they were not favored to win at least two out of three of these games. And the Yankees showed up in a big way this weekend. They crushed Ryu uh, Friday night. They won 10-2. They should have won Saturday's game, and then they beat Kershaw on Sunday. They took two of three from by far the best team in the National League. A huge statement by the Yankees. Paxson was great, and he seemed to have maybe turned a corner, which would be really nice and really hopeful for this Yankees team. And Herman looked great on Sunday after in the first inning, it looked like things were going to get away from him real quick. I mean, Jock Peterson hit that ball, what seemed like a mile, uh, but he skirted around trouble uh, and then had a really, really, really good start. Aaron Judge hit home runs in three straight games in Los Angeles isn't getting hot again. If Judge and Sanchez can get hot again, the Yankees are going to be absolutely trouble. And my goodness, Mike Ford now, He's the latest guy off the bench to come up big. I mean, they've been hurt, whether it's 
Encarnacion, whether it's Voigt. Yeah, there's a guy, Mike Ford, stepping up. I mean, this team could be so freaking good, it's scary. And especially if they're all healthy, it can be just frightening. A huge statement from the Yankees this past weekend. Uh, and all Yankee fans should be feeling really, really good these days. Well, the same can't be said about the Mets, who got swept by the Braves. All of them were brutal losses. I, I mean, in 14 innings, 2-1 when DeGrom is on the bump, you got to win that game. But while Met fans don't want to hear this, I will say this again. The Mets, to me, are the second most dangerous team in the National League. Yeah, this weekend didn't go well. But they didn't lose any ground in the wildcard standings and are still only two games back. Things are fine. They have the best trio of starters of any wildcard hopeful team. And the lineup has a few guys who are really, really good. The series against the Cubs that st- kicks off tonight is enormous. The biggest games of the Mets season by far. The Cubs are brutal on the road. The Mets are really good at home, or at least they have been lately. They have to take two out of three from the Cubs in this series. They absolutely have to. I actually think they need to sweep. I think they'll take two out of three. Uh, but you got to win this series. I mean, I can't stress that enough if, if you're looking to get into the playoffs, if you're the New York Mets. As I mentioned before, the U.S. Open started yesterday. Good day for the U.S. men's uh, tennis pros as a whole, uh, minus Jack Sock, who me and my brother absolutely can't stand. Top-seeded Novak Djokovic won in straight sets yesterday really easily. Serena Williams beat a fading Maria Sharapova in under an hour last night. Serena looked great, even though uh, she looks absolutely atrocious in that outfit. I mean, she looks fat and overweight and out of shape. Her tight biker shorts outfit is just not a good look for her right now. But whatever, she played great last night. And Roger Federer looked rusty. And actually, he looked kind of shitty last night, but one in four sets. Yeah, he probably used last night to work out some kinks because he hasn't played a lot of matches since that exceedingly difficult loss uh, in the Wimbledon final. But man, it was actually kind of rough to watch. We shall see what happens in the Open, an event that I, I can't stress enough. I absolutely love. But in reality, it really kind of snuck up on me this year. Usually I'm, I'm a little bit more prepped for the Open. This year, it kind of came fast and uh, it really snuck up on me. But the big story from the weekend belonged to the NFL with the news that Colts star quarterback Andrew Luck is retiring at 29 years old after seven NFL seasons. Luck going into this year was going to be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. If you play fantasy football, I believe he was ranked somewhere between second and fourth overall in terms of uh, quarterback preseason rankings. Uh, The guy has just been incredible in the uh, in his first seven season. He has the second most passing touchdowns in NFL history, and, and it, it really just caught everybody by surprise. I mean, we've seen guys in the NFL, stars, retire at the top of their games. I mean, Jim Brown retired at 29. Barry Sanders retired at 31. But I, I guess at, because of the media cycle, it, it didn't seem like – You know, this really seemed out of the blue. And obviously, you know, there was a tremendous amount of of think pieces uh, written about it. There was was Twitter outcries in terms of support for Andrew Luck because 
As we all know, he's been through a lot in his uh, in his career in terms of rehabbing many injuries, shoulder, ankle, Achilles. I mean, he almost lost a kidney. Uh, he's been through a lot. And, you know, the rehab to get hurt like that and to then not trust your body and then uh, the mental grind has to be tremendous. And, I mean, this is coming from somebody who plays sports and has played sports his whole entire life, and knock on wood, thank goodness, I've never had a really serious injury, so I don't even know what it's like to go through a tremendous rehab like that. It, it, it can't be grueling, but then again, on the flip side, I would love, you know, it's my, it, it's my dream, it was my dream growing up to be in a position where I was going to be paid to work out and play sports professionally, and sometimes, you know, and, and injuries happen that you get, you know, you have to rehab. and But I, I can't even put myself in his shoes in terms of what he's going through. But the the Twitter uh, reactions, you know, in support of Andrew Luck, because obviously as we've seen that we've become exceedingly player-friendly and, and we basically defend the players at all costs. And, and if you're going to choose one guy to be sympathetic to, you're going to choose Andrew Luck and you're not going to choose Jim Ursay or uh, Ryan Grigson, the former general manager for the Colts who did an absolute hatchet job on on the Colts when Luck was there for the first four years, not putting together an offensive line. I mean, nobody got hit more than that guy. Just, you know, not protecting a prize asset was, you know, almost team malpractice at that point. But there's something to be said that Andrew Luck, and again, I don't know what happened the inner workings and if he'd been thinking this for a while, but he did sit down with Peter King and say how he, you know, anticipated playing the entire season. I mean, this was less than a month ago where he did this interview with Peter King being excited about the season. Then all of a sudden, you know, two weeks before the NFL season starts, he just retires. And whether it's fair or not, and, and he has his choice to do whatever he wants to do and and it's his life and he should take advantage um, or I should say he should, you know, put himself first. It's his life. It's his health. Uh, but he did put, you know, the Colts in a tough spot. And and as a result, you know, the fans, when they find out that he's retiring via Twitter during a preseason game when he's on the sidelines, yeah, it's not a good look if they're going to boo. But at the same time, it's just raw emotion. So, and and I'm sure when they stepped back and heard the press conference, they're probably like, "Yeah, we shouldn't have done that." So, because of the way the media works now, with with the outrage, then all of a sudden it's like you can't criticize for Andrew Luck for the timing of this because you don't want to get the backlash. I mean, Doug Gottlieb, a notorious tr- Twitter troll, I mean, had a, a terrible tweet. You know, it wasn't funny. He was trying to be his snarky asshole self, but it just came off as callous. But even in that tweet that came off so terribly where he talks about or he basically compared not rehabbing to this millennial mentality, it while it was really bad, it wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. So, I mean, you're just going to get Tons of people wanting to make points on Twitter, and it's just unfortunate. But it's unfortunate that this guy you know, felt the need that he needs to hang it up. I mean, he was a super talent. I enjoyed watching him play. Really bright future. The Colts were going to be one of the three or four best teams in the AFC 
going into this year with with Andrew Luck healthy. And it's just crazy that these guys are leaving too soon. Football is it's a rough sport, man. And, and not many guys are wired like Tom Brady, where all he cares about is just football. I mean, Andrew Luck is a smart guy. He's got other things on his mind. He's got other interests. And he's he's been banged up. Tom Brady is an anomaly. Peyton Manning for a while was an anomaly. You know, as Colin Coward said on his show, you're going to see a lot more of this Andrew Luck situation, especially with guys getting paid more than they ever have, that they won't necessarily hold on for the big payday because they're getting it earlier. You're going to see guys leaving the game earlier and saying, hey, I made my money. I've got life-changing dollars, and I I don't want to put myself through this anymore. And I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to lose the love of your sport the way it seems like Andrew Luck has lost the love for football. I mean, again, on a much smaller scale, I still play pickup basketball once a week. Uh, I can't I can't give it up. You know, I'm I'm in my early 30s now. The the injury bug hopefully won't come for me anytime soon, but you know, I have friends who've already given up uh their their um pickup sports activities because they just don't want to get hurt anymore and they don't love it the same way. I can't imagine all the more so being a professional athlete. You've worked your entire life for that uh, to get to that point where you are now almost at the top of your game and just be and just have it take such a toll on your body that you lose the love for it. Uh, I I just I can't understand it. I, I, I don't even want to put myself in his shoes, but it came as a surprise um, and, uh, I, I obviously wish, uh, Andrew Luck the best. I mean, I, I'm curious to know what he's going to do from here. Uh, he's a bright guy. He's, he's going to have every opportunity to work in football or do other things. I mean, he graduated from freaking Stanford, you know, he's no dummy, but yeah, we'll see. It, it was just crazy. And, um, but let's try not to get so outraged at all the Twitter stuff. I mean, people are just saying things for effect at this point. I mean, This goes to a larger problem in society, but just just let things play out before we before we jump to conclusions. But yeah, craziness. Andrew Luck is retired at the age of 29 after seven seasons, four Pro Bowl seasons. And um, with that said, I mean, that was the major headline this weekend. And we will be getting into all things NFL in just a moment with a recurring guest. Okay, uh, had to have him back, start of the NFL season. Uh, one of my um, favorite recurring guests, Mr. Shai Elberger. Shai, what's going on, man? What's going on? I know we first spoke uh, shortly after Odell was traded, and uh, I'm still upset. But I'm, still, I'm still upset, too. <laughs> the wounds have not healed. But before you know, we get into the Giants, uh, obviously the big story over the weekend um, that dominated the NFL headlines was uh, Andrew Luck's retirement. So we got to start there. Uh, what were your initial thoughts and reactions when you saw the tweet from Schefter come out? So usually I do see the tweets before the uh, ESPN alert gets sent out to all of our phones. But this time I actually saw the alert first. And I think just like everyone, I was like, what? And I raced onto Twitter and just saw tweet like that. My whole timeline was people retweeting Schefter basically saying like, is this real? What the F? Uh, what's like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. 
I just I happened to actually be on the phone with a friend of mine who had shown me that he had just drafted his fantasy team a few nights earlier and it had and he had drafted luck. Um, so I was telling him on the phone, I was like, holy crap, like luck is retiring. And he was like, are you kidding me? Um, but just overall, sh- totally shocked. Um, just like uh, the last thing I expected to see. Now, the more he spoke about it and, and all that stuff, explaining his decision, you know, a little bit later, a few hours later, it makes sense. I understand, you know, clearly every current and former player has voiced support over this decision because they know the physical toll playing football and for him especially that it can take on you. So, you know, his decision, shocking, but clearly it got to a point that I think us normal people don't understand is like just rehabbing injuries every day of every year just takes a toll on you mentally um and he decided it was not worth it anymore what's crazy and and again i'm the guy if and not even to compare myself to a pro athlete but i would be the guy who held on for dear life who held on way too long and at the the, you'd need to peel the the jersey off my back if i was ever in a position and uh i mean maybe it's because I don't know what it's like to be hurt at this level. I don't know what it's like to rehab at that level. Um, I don't know what kind of mental, uh, you know, stress that is. But it's it's crazy to me considering with the cap rising, I mean, Dak Prescott just turned down a $30 million a year contract. What was Andrew oh, Luck going to yeah. get? I mean, he was going to earn – hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars. And he was just like, listen, I've had enough. I've made enough money. I'm out. There is no doubt that he, that this decision, um, hate to say like, will cost him a lot of money, but he was in line, as you said, for some mega paydays over the next, you know, five, seven years, five, seven years, at least, you know, why could he play till 40? Everyone's doing it these days. Um, well, no, so only one. Even, well, hold on, only one guy is doing it these days. Well, well oh, Breeze two, Breeze. And, you know, yes, Breeze right. and Brady. Breeze and Brady. Eli is thirty-eight, thirty-nine, whatever it is. So that even more so is that this just reached a point where it wasn't about. Well, think about how much money I'm giving up. I mean, yeah, uh, he's earned, you know, way more than any of us will ever earn in our lifetime. Um, but. He, he also is, as we all like, he went to Stanford. He's a smart guy. He's not someone whose life is, whose life is based on their football career. Um, I, I kind of, not the same thing, but kind of similar. And I, we, we, we spoke about this on Twitter for a second. But, uh, you know, Tiki Barber retired at 30 because he, A, he, you know, got to a point where it just wasn't worth it for him anymore physically. Uh, mentally, I think, you know, he didn't really, um, you know, him and Coughlin didn't get along that well. He had made, you know, enough money, not as much as luck. But it, he's a kind of guy where he just wasn't, and he didn't want to be defined by football. He wanted to do other things and other, you know, stuff in life. And I think luck, you know, luck is just, if you think about his last few years, he's literally been injured all the time. And I know he played every game last year. But you can't tell me that after a year of sitting out for a shoulder injury, 
and you know all the other bruises and stuff that he gets you know he's it, it i think like you i would say if i was playing you know you'd have to rip the jersey off my back i really just don't think we can understand the level of pain these guys go through and the rehab process and that's why i think current and ex-players sympathize with him and empathize with him because they understand what it what it takes yeah, it's um, it's it's crazy. I mean, just this offseason, we saw Gronk retire at twenty nine and Luck retire exactly. at twenty nine. Perfect. Gronk is the same example. Like, did he retire for any reason other than the physical toll on his body? That's the only reason he retired. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is. Uh, would it shock me also if Luck, you know, next offseason gets the itch to come back? It would not shock me. Um, but I. I I think he's also smart enough to understand that just because he feels good, maybe at that point in time, you know, six months later, he's not going to feel that great again. I was actually about to ask you that because, you know, the Colts aren't really terminating his contract. Right. You know, they're no. paying him out. So, which is a really nice gesture for them. I mean, I personally wouldn't do that. I mean, it, as sympathetic as I am towards your injuries, like, I'm your employer. Like, if you're not going to work, I don't have to pay you. I don't think right. that's. I don't think that's, you know, unreasonable. And Plus, all the all the money they're going to lose in ticket sales and merchandise, all that stuff. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. But yeah, I was going to ask you if you think he's going to get the itch to play again. It, it wouldn't shock me either way. I think these guys always get the itch and they miss the locker room and all that stuff. I think. I, you know, I don't know. He's married. It seems like because he referenced his wife, but um, you know, he he doesn't strike me as someone who will just be like, you know what, I want to get back. Yeah, it seemed like he's retiring for a specific reason. He, you know, he was. I'm not living the life I want to live. It doesn't strike me as the person who would come back in a year. So I would I would bet against it. Before we get to the football ramifications of this and, and as we transition into a little bit of a preview of the NFL season, your thoughts on and reactions on the the Twitter reaction to this? Yeah, it was basically people think, uh, you know, confirming, is this real? The first thing I, I looked at was, you know, is there a blue check mark? Does it say a darn Schefter? Um, and then it was like, you know, everyone, this is one of those things where just everyone has the same reaction. It's holy cow, holy crap, wow. And there's not really any other reaction you could have when, you know, this kind of announcement happens out of nowhere. Um, while, the, while the Colts are playing and he's on the sideline, which was made for an awkward situation, as we saw. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll touch on the fans but uh, that was that was. I mean, the Twitter reaction, my reaction, your reaction was pretty much probably all the same. Yeah, the the fans. As much as it's a bad look, I mean, just the raw reaction. It's hard to really yeah. bag on them that much. I mean, wh- I'm sure when they listened to the press conference, they probably felt crappy. Those who booed, they probably felt really crappy about the fact that they booed them. Um, when they listened to how difficult of a decision it was and, and why he did it and all that kind of stuff. I, I just think also the Colts didn't necessarily handle this very well because a part of me thinks that it didn't really come out of the blue. Like they had to have – he had to have hinted at this. I mean if it really came out of the blue, then he's kind of a 
he's a little callous in the way he went about it because he's really putting them in a tough spot. But if they didn't, if they didn't, or I should say, if they did know a little bit, like the Colts really did not manage this well. Uh, when you so if you say out of the blue, and what I read was that Luck uh, initially approached them about ten days ago, and I guess this was as of you know before the announcement where he first brought that up. You know, is that out of the blue as it relates to it coming out on you know by Schefter uh, ten days later? Um, like, did he how come he didn't go to them in June or July if if you know give them a little more warning and. I, you know, I get the sense that this current injury that he has, you know, all we know and we keep reading is like the Colts don't really know. It's his calf. It's his ankle. It's a high ankle, but they're not positive. And it just seemed like something he probably thought would be fine by now and just wasn't getting better. And, you know, as that kept every another day, another day, and he's still rehabbing, you know, I, that's probably how those, you know, those thoughts started to come in and be like, am I going to do another year of, you know, rehabbing Monday through Saturday and not practicing. And like he said, he, he vowed to himself a couple of years ago that he wouldn't do that anymore. Um, how Schefter literally broke that news at that time, obviously we don't really ever know how Schefter gets his info. Um, but I completely agree with you on the fan reaction. If you're a fan at a Colts preseason game, you know, in the fourth quarter or third quarter, and you just start he, seeing on Twitter and he, word of mouth, like luck is retiring and that's all – there's no context. It's just like your franchise's future just went from very positive to very mediocre. You don't know why he's retiring. You, yeah, your first assumption is like, what the hell? I'm pissed. Um, Bowie, I, you know, yeah, I don't, I, it's a raw reaction, as you said. Um, they're not going to like find out Lux retiring out of nowhere and then start cheering for him a minute later. Um, and so it also like it wasn't like a stadium of booze. It was a group of probably twenty people, um, and I think I think like you said, it was just a raw reaction. You know, I don't blame them too much. It's a bad look, but I'm sure right right that they they've heard luck and probably wouldn't boo him if it happened again. The worst part about the Twitter uh, reaction was you had every, all the think pieces talking about how this is like you know, greater societal issues, um, how it's, it, it, there's like this, you know, this age in sports, how it's like individual versus, you know, being a part of a team and all this stuff. Like that was the stuff that I just couldn't stand. Like, this is a guy retiring. It's, it's one guy like enough. Like we don't need all the thing pieces that, that right. really pissed me off. That's, um, it's people trying to get a, a column out there for, for readership. Yeah, like like there's some type of like social, um, you know, you know, social philosophy. I don't even know the type of word, but like philosophers, like, social philosophers. Yeah, like, like, what are we doing here? Right. Like the, the the Doug Gottlieb tweet that he got crushed for. Yeah, and and even that tweet though, like he he put out his explanation, and like it wasn't a good explanation because I don't think Doug Gottlieb is funny, and he knows how to be funny on Twitter. But like even that. Like, it wasn't as bad as it seemed. Like, it's just the whole thing. Twitter kind of can be so terrible. And and oh, yeah. this was just an example of this. But in terms of the football ramifications, like, where do the yeah. Colts go from here? Because one of the first things I thought about was, God, how freaking lucky are the Colts? <laughs> because yeah. they went from Peyton Manning 
Peyton Manning gets hurt, they stink, and then they have the ability to draft Andrew Luck, right? Andrew Luck retires abruptly. If they stink again, they can get Tua, Jake Fromm, or potentially Trevor Lawrence in two years. Like, like what the hell, man? If it works out that way again, uh, it'll just be like a crazy sequence of events, how they'll go. 45 years with three franchise quarterbacks in a row. Um, but, you know, I don't think they're as bad as they were that year uh, where uh, Peyton was hurt. They, they have a good team. No, they're not uh, as bad. They're not as bad. So that's, I mean, that's why they were, you know, for sure divisional favorites, uh, you know, a popular pick to get to the Super Bowl. And, I, you know, luck obviously is very, very good. But, you know, the rest of their team is good. They have a, they built up the O line. Obviously, Marlon Mack is a good player. T. Y. Hilton. They have some rookie receivers. Their defense, Darius Leonard. You know, they're not going to go three and thirteen and be able to just get a top three pick. So it is kind of an interesting situation. Um, I feel like Jacoby Brissett is probably not terrible. No, I and, don't think he's terrible either. And they, their O line has been built up from what it was several years ago. So is it kind of, you know, yeah, are they going to be the, – the Vegas total for them went from 9.5 to 6.5. So if they go 7 and 9, they're kind of in, you know, 15th, 18th pick. What so, do they do at that point? Yeah. I don't know. So I saw at the Action Network they were 7.5. And, and we're going to get into over-unders that I like and I don't like. Um, or I should say that we like and we don't like um, in a little bit. But, yeah, I – in terms of what to do with that number betting futures, I would just absolutely stay away. But the yeah. um, so obviously the Colts before the news came out were going to be one of the three or four best teams in the AFC. Overall, the AFC seems super weak. I mean, trying to find six playoff teams like right off the bat is is really tough. So I, I pose this question to you: What AFC team do you think will surprise people this year that will just come? Uh, out of nowhere and who's kind of under the radar right now and actually like make a leap and be in the playoff mix. Yeah. So, so when you say the Colts were probably a top three AFC team, who are the other teams, the other two you would lump in there? The Patriots and the chiefs. Right. Okay. So that's what I thought you might say. Um, my three, I'd say under the radar. Um, and it's, I have to make the, the case that these teams are only under the radar because the Browns have been getting so much hype is I feel like Pittsburgh and Baltimore are both going to be really good also. And I feel like they're just not getting talked about because Antonio and Le'Veon are gone and Baltimore, you know, they don't really have anyone on offense. They signed Mike in- uh, Mark Ingram and they have Lamar Jackson, but like not an exciting team of players. Cleveland's getting all the hype uh, this off season. Expe- people expect them to win the division and it's just like I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore each have the potential to win the division as well, um, and they're usually good every year. And I just think they're getting kind of overlooked. And for like an actual bad team that I think could be better, I'm gonna go with Buffalo. Um, hmm, I interesting. Think, I think Josh Allen obviously has his limitations. He had but a great a, end of the year last year. Yeah, a great end of the year. He he adds a rushing uh, component. They have, like, random good players, LaShawn McCoy, 
and John Brown I'm kind of a fan of, and Zay Jones wasn't half bad. And I think their defense also, with their coach Sean McDermott, who's a defensive guy, I think we're going to end up seeing their defense being like a random top eight defense this year full of players who most of us haven't really heard of. Um, and, and so I'm going to go with Buffalo as not necessarily a playoff team, but I feel like they will be an eight or nine win team potentially. That's interesting you say that. I mean, I agree with you on Pittsburgh, and they were one of my favorite overs. Uh, I saw the Action Network put out the um, the list. Uh, the, their number was nine. I mean, I still like them to win the division. Um, Baltimore, I, I can never figure out. Uh, I always assume that they're just going to stink, even though they don't. And they never, they never do. Right, which is which is crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm with you with Pittsburgh. Uh, Buffalo uh, again. I think the AFC East is going to be just weird. Um, yeah. We'll, and we'll get to the overall divisions uh, in a, in just a second. But uh, under the radar NFC team. Uh, kind of like the same kind of question that you think can uh, can really surprise yeah. people. And I'm, I was going through the NFC teams, and I feel like, which means I'm going to be surprised, but I feel like we know which teams are good and which teams are bad. And I kept trying to think of bad teams that could be good. And it was like hard for me to, like Tampa, people think are going to be bad. And I just, their defense is horrible. I, I wanted to say Tampa will surprise people. I just don't see it. Especially I, in that division, which is stacked. I don't see um, it either. They're one of my favorite under bets. And uh, um, that's funny. And I think staying with that division, I think a team that could surprise is the Falcons. Uh, Interesting. They had a down year last year, and I think people don't realize maybe how many injuries they had. And it started in week one. Uh, Deion Jones is uh, one of their really good defensive players. He got injured first game of the season. I'm not. I think he missed this season. I'm pretty sure he did, or he came back later in the season. Uh, Devontae Freeman played one game. Um, I, I there were other injuries. I'm not remembering off the top of my head. I just know they were. They had a ton of injuries, and I think if you just go back to prior to last season, uh, they obviously should have won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They're always like in the playoff hunt. I think they've also added talent to their O-line and defense. Um, and if they just can stay healthy, I think they definitely have a chance to win that division. So I'm actually, I don't know if you know this about me. Um, I'm not, but you know, we interact on Twitter all the time. Yep. Uh, I have a tremendous bias and uh, sports hatred towards Matt Ryan. <laughs> I think Matt Ryan is the most overrated player in the NFL. I don't think he's good at all, and so I actually always go against Atlanta. And actually, Atlanta at eight and a half is one of my favorite under bets. Uh, I can't get w- get with you in Atlanta. Uh, the NFC is tough because, as you said, I, I can't think of any bad teams that are really going to make a jump. But as we've seen most every year, there's one team that just skyrockets and there's one team that we think is going to be good that's going to fall apart and it's usually two teams and in the nfc it is really hard to figure out so let's go through the uh the divisions quickly we'll start with the nfc um just pick a pick the winner right uh nfc east yeah uh gonna have to go with the eagles i i think as much as i hate to say it i just feel like they have talent everywhere they're deep 
Um, and I, I think the best way to illustrate how deep they are is that in the first round of the draft, they traded up for a left tackle who they don't intend to play this year. Uh, so when you have the luxury of using multiple picks to trade up in the first round to draft a player who you don't intend to play, I think that just proves how much talent and how deep you actually are. Um, no reason why they wouldn't be good uh, mm-hmm. after the last couple of years. If Wentz were to get injured again, they just signed Josh McCown, who, you know, who knows? He's probably fine. But, you know, Dallas, even if Dallas were amazing, I would never pick them to win the division. Um, they're just too, they're we, too extra. The Cowboys are too yeah, extra. Yeah, I, I just I root for the Cowboys to go 0-16 every season. And I kind of used to do that for the Eagles also. Um, but the Eagles are just a little more likable. But I, I just, yeah, I'm picking the Eagles. I think they'll win it. I'm with you on the Eagles. Um, who's your most interesting player of this division? I think the the two quarterbacks are going to have the most focus on them. Wentz, obviously, can he stay healthy? He got a massive deal this offseason, um, but he hasn't been healthy the last few years for the whole season. So can he make it through the season? And uh, you, you touched on it earlier, Dak Prescott, who's seeking a new deal. There's a it's very split opinion on him. Uh, a lot of people like him a lot. He's obviously has a really good record as a starter. Um, and other people just think it's it's Zeke and the O-line and they have a good defense and Dak is kind of just a game manager. Um, and so we'll see if he doesn't, you know, if he does get the contract, if it's in the 30 to $40 million a year. Oh, range, God, I hope have, I hope Jerry does it. I do, too. I, I do as well. I um, hope Jerry does it. And so if he gets that contract, then there's a ton of pressure. If he does not get a contract, then he's basically playing for the contract. And then there's also a lot a lot of pressure. I don't see uh, another uh, team out there who's paying Dak Prescott more than $25 million. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not going to get the free agency, so we'll never know. Um, and obviously the, the Eli Manning, Daniel Jones battle will be one to watch. Well, that, we'll, 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 touch, on, we'll touch on that later. Uh, okay. NFC North. Um, who's your favorite to win the division and who's, uh, let's try and stay away from the quarterbacks. Uh, who's your most interesting player? Uh, well, I think the Vikings are going to win the division. Um, interesting. I like the Vikings. They always kind of do a little worse than I expect them to for whatever reason. It doesn't matter if they have Case Keenum or Cousins. Like, their defense is really, really good. And they have two really, really good receivers. Um, and Dalvin Cook, I guess he's been injured, but he's also. Yeah, very I've good. gotten burnt by him in fantasy, I think, the last two seasons. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I had him as a rookie when he was dominating and then just tore his ACL. Uh, but a lot of it's obviously going to go back to Cousins. Kind of weird that they've transitioned to a run-first offense after making him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. Um, but it could – I'm sorry, you said to stay away from the quarterbacks. I feel like all everyone's going to be watching Cousins and seeing what does he do in the second year. Because if, he, if they don't make the playoffs again, and now it's two years after they gave him the fully guaranteed contract – what are then, they going to do? They have to pay him a fully guaranteed contract. They can't cut him. Yeah. It, 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 even if they have to keep him, you don't want to be in the situation where everyone thinks or says or knows that you shouldn't keep him and you have to for financial reasons. Like uh, you just, it never turns out well. So then um, you, then you hit the reset button. They're locked in. I, I'm actually going to go against you on this one. Um, I like the bears. 
Yeah, they're the Bears. If the Bears won the division, would I be surprised? No, they're definitely a popular pick. Uh, the defense is still incredible. And, um, you know, will Trubisky take another step up? That's that's the question. You One know, of the guys that – oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, all the players basically who are the ones to watch or the interesting players usually end up being the quarterback. Like, yeah, well, uh, you know, I'd love to see if Khalil Mack could have another 16 sacks, but, like, he probably will. So, for um, me, it's Allen Robinson. Okay, yeah, that's I'm, a good one. I'm expecting a big year from Allen Robinson this year. All right, moving on to the South, an interesting division. Who do you like yeah. in the South? I brought up the Falcons earlier, uh, but I'm going to go with the Saints because I don't have the guts to uh, call a Falcons division winner. I do think they both make the playoffs, Okay, uh, but I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints as well. And in the end, rounding out the NFC, uh, the NFC West. This has to be the worst division in the NFL, right? Um, oh, just... I, di- I disagree. You know what? I take that back. You're right. I think, I the, I think the AFC East is worse. I think the AFC yeah, think... South is worse. Yes, the AFC South is definitely worse. Um, but I just don't see a team challenging the Rams for the division. The Seahawks are just not the Seahawks that we all have come to know over the last eight seasons. Like, it's hard for me to to believe it until I see it, but, like, their defense might be actually bad. Um, and, you know, who's Russell Wilson throwing to? It's Tyler Lockett, like, D.K. Metcalf. I have my reservations on him. And I just don't see the Niners or the Cardinals getting into that, you know, nine or ten win range. The Rams might win this division. I feel like they did this last year also by, like, week 12. You're cutting into some of my my favorite over-under bets because one of Uh, my favorite overs is Seattle 8.5. Interesting. I don't bet against Russell Wilson. I (laughs) just don't because he's awesome. That's just one of my rules. You know, if I I get burned on that, it's going to be one of those things. I just don't bet against Russell Wilson. All right, AFC East. I think we both know who's winning this division. Um, yeah, Miami. Yeah, okay, all right. That's very good. <laughs> Funny. Uh, Patriots. All right, next. Uh, AFC North. We've, it seems like yeah, we both I, like the Steelers here, no? Yes, I do like the Steelers. Yes. But I just go back to the AFC East. I don't think it's a bad division. I think the Jets will be okay. And I already spoke about the Bills possibly surprising We'll we'll see how competitive it gets, um, but I don't think either of them challenge the Patriots. Yeah, but both those guys, both those teams can go eight and eight realistically, right. and yeah. yeah, they'll they'll be good. But you know, the Patriots are going to win twelve games. Yep. Um, uh, we both like the Steelers in the North, um, AFC South. Who do you like here? Whew. I'm going to go with the Jaguars bounce back season. Um, we spoke about the Colts. We don't think the Colts are going to make the playoffs. The Titans, it's so unfair. I, I like I can't have a full opinion on the Titans because I feel like they're never on TV. So like, while there's I a reason that they, for that. Yeah, but at this, they've gone nine and seven three straight seasons. So how many teams have actually had winning seasons for three straight years? Probably less than ten. Um, but I just I feel like nine and seven is their ceiling. Um, you know, a lot, obviously, going back to the quarterbacks. And same thing for Tampa. 
which we didn't mention as a potential Colts uh, situation for next year. Mariota and Winston both on the fifth years of their rookie deals. If either of them, you know, doesn't play well enough to warrant a second contract, would the Colts go after them next year? That would be interesting. Mm, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what the draft looks like because if you have Tua from and you have other guys, you know, yeah, there may, you have to you have to draft. Them. There may be options. Um, and the team we didn't mention, Houston. They probably are the favorite, so I guess I'm picking a little bit of an upset of Jacksonville. Houston is good for sure. Um, I, I don't. We'll see what they do with the running game. I yeah, Houston. I probably Jacksonville would have to like sweep Houston to win the division, something like that. I just I feel like Jacksonville is kind of they came out of nowhere two years ago. Then they had high expectations and bombed last year, and now I feel like it's all quiet again. And that's then they're gonna have a good season. Uh, I'm I'm riding with Houston. Uh, I yeah. I love Deshaun Watson, obviously. Yes. Um, I their defense kind of scares me a little bit. I don't know what's going to go on with Jadavian Clowney, but I I just I just like their upside the most. I did take a hard look at Jacksonville, um, and again um, we'll we'll merge into over unders in a second. But Jacksonville at eight, I like the over. I actually think this team is going to get two playoff teams. Uh, yeah, definitely possible. Uh, AFC West, um, Chiefs for me. Is there? Yeah, a- I, I, I uh, would have to go with the Chiefs. Um, I don't. It's kind of like the AFC East. Mm-hmm. Although I guess the Chargers are are decent enough, but I don't see them really. I think the Chiefs have the division one with a couple weeks left to spare. Yeah, I, I just. So yeah. I, I love the Chiefs here. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Uh, and that takes us to our over-unders. Um, your five favorite over-bets for team wins. Yeah. So we I don't know if we'll have the same uh, totals based on where we looked, but mm-hmm. I like the Falcons over eight and a half. Uh, well, we have so the they, same number, but we, uh, we're opposites here. Okay. Uh, so if the, if the Seahawks played the Falcons in the NFC Championship, you're going with uh, Matt Ryan? Uh, no, I'm going with Russell Wilson. Um, so one of the reasons I like the Falcons over, aside from the, what I said earlier, is that they play the AFC South. So I think that also is uh, an easier division to play. Yes. Um, over uh, Dallas over eight. Mm-hmm. This is assuming Zeke uh, plays for at least most of the season. Uh, I saw something interesting on Twitter that pointed out the Cowboys' first three weeks play the Giants, the Redskins, and Tampa. And so very easily it could be 3-0 and without Zeke and that they might, you know, could use that as some leverage saying, they you know, how valuable are you or 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just uh, – and then we the NFC East plays the AFC East, so you got the Bills and Dolphins in there also, although I like the Bills. Um, Jacksonville over 7.5 we just spoke about. I have Kansas them on my City. list. I have Kansas, Kansas City, City on my list too. Ten and a half seems very low. Like 11, 12, or 13 seems way more probable than 10 or 9. My thinking uh, exactly. And the last team I have is another good one the Rams over 10. Uh, I just also think like their floor is probably 11 and 5. Yeah, uh, I, I, I looked at the Rams. Um, I, I think the Rams are going to be good. I still think the Rams uh, are the class of the. NFC, but I also think that they're, you know, I think the Eagles are 
are chomping at the bit there. I, you know, I, I I'm higher on the Bears than most. Um, I looked at the Rams, but my favorites are Kansas City over ten and a half, Pittsburgh over nine, Se- okay, like Seattle over eight and a half, Jacksonville over eight, and Houston over eight and a half. Yeah, I guess you know I didn't factor in that the Colts are a much worse team now for Houston to play twice. So I wonder if Houston's over under or anyone in the AFC South went up by maybe a half a game or so based on this news. And um, who are your favorite unders? So for my unders, uh, Detroit at seven. Uh, I'm considering I predict them to be last place in their division easily. I, I definitely see them having less than seven wins. Um Washington, six and a half. I'm going to just hope that the Giants don't fall below Washington this year. Otherwise, that means a lot of bad things happened. Uh, so Washington, under six and a half. I like Denver, under seven. Uh, again, I like, you know, the Chiefs are amazing. The Chargers are good. Oakland is a real, I don't know what to do with Oakland. But I just, I don't see a ton of talent on Denver on offense specifically. Um, and they play the NFC North, so they play Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago. Uh, so I think it's going to be tough for them to hit seven. San Francisco under eight and a half. So we finally agree on one of them that I had yep. circled, penciled in. Yeah, I don't. Uh, if they got to nine wins, I think that would be pretty surprising. Uh, I, I, you know, they got Garoppolo back. I get that, and they had another draft class. I just, you know, their defense is pretty poor. Uh, their their receiver, the number one receiver is Dante Pettis. Um, you know, I don't, I just don't think there's enough talent really to get to nine wins. Not yet. They they still have like one more draft class to to actually make moves here. <laughs> right, they're on the rise. Um, and then the last one, yeah, hard to predict a team to have five wins or fewer. But uh, I'm gonna go with the under for the Bengals five and a half. I. Just, you know, again, it's it's more of a – their division is really good. So Baltimore, <laughs> Pittsburgh, and Cleveland, you know, could easily – they can go 0-6 in the division. Yeah. And I, you know, I just don't think the Bengals are that good at all. I didn't think about that. Um, I, I may change that to one of my favorites, actually. Um, right. Mine, I had Atlanta, 8.5. I just – that division's good. I, I, I just – I don't know. I don't know what them. I, I'm just biased against them, I guess. Maybe I'm going to have to cross them off as a stay away and, and put in Cincinnati. But I had Atlanta, yep. Tampa Bay under six and a half. I just don't see a lot of good players on this team. Yeah. Um, Tennessee, eight. I know they went nine and seven the last three years, but I, I just think at a certain point that's going to have to, um, you know, stop. Uh, San Francisco under eight. They're a year away. And the Vikings under nine. Kirk Cousins to me just screams eight and eight. Yeah, he uh, he's definitely getting that reputation or has it already. Um, man, if the Vikings with that defense and Dalvin Cook and Diggs and Thielen and Kyle Rudolph, like if they finish below five hundred, that would be a massive disappointment. Uh, of course, anything's possible with injuries. So who knows? Like if Cousins gets hurt or something, but. Uh, that, I think that would be one of the real disappointment, uh, disappointing teams of the season if they were below 500. So we we picked um, 
we picked our uh, you know division winners. We got the Patriots, Steelers. You got the Jaguars, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Who are your two AFC wild card teams? I'm gonna take both wild card teams from the AFC North and go Baltimore and Cleveland because as much as I uh, was bringing up all the hype that Cleveland has, you know, I'm not immune to it. I, I do think Cleveland's gonna be really good. Uh, this year, uh, we know they have at least one amazing receiver. And so I'm going with three AFC North teams in the playoffs. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I've got um, – so I've got the Texans uh, AFC South winners, so I'm going to take Jacksonville as a wild card team, and I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Which is shocking. So on to the NFC, um, we've got – uh, I think we both agreed on the Eagles. You've got yeah. the Vikings. I've got the Bears. You've got. We both have the Saints. We both have the Rams. Who are your two wild card teams? I'm gonna go with the Saints uh, since I have Atlanta winning the division. Oh, you switched. And... Okay, you switched. All right, fine. I hear that. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. No. Um, yeah. So you like Atlanta to win a wild card? Yes, I'm gonna go with Atlanta as a wild card, and you know that. Pains me to say, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna take Dallas as the sixth seed. I'm hoping, yeah. I, it's tough. I know there are a lot of good, there are a lot of good NFC teams, right? You know, you're thinking about it. It's like, it's Dallas, it's Chicago, it's Minnesota, it's Atlanta, uh, Seattle, Green Bay. There's a ton of teams that get all, you know, get nine or ten wins. It's just a matter of who who gets there. I'm gonna go with Dallas. As much as I don't like picking Dallas, and I am gonna go with uh, the Packers. Okay. I, th- I think the Packers sneak in, and uh, yeah. and your preseason Super Bowl uh, preview. Yeah, for the Packers, you know, I feel like we've—it's uh, been a few years since Rodgers was like being Aaron Rodgers and slinging it around and having awesome playoff games. Like, I feel like we're due for a, a Rodgers playoff run. Um, my preseason Super Bowl is going to be the Saints versus the Patriots. I know, I know, it's a cop-out. But, you know, if you take the Patriots every year, you pretty much have been successful like 70% of the time. Until they are knocked out, uh, you know, it's hard to bet against them. God, I hate them so much. Um, I know. I, uh, for, for the record, I do have the Saints winning the Super Bowl. So I am going to go with – I'm going to be a little contrarian. I am going to go with Kansas City. Kansas City and – you know what? I think the Rams get back there. Uh, 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 yeah. You know, Kansas City and the Rams, what I thought we were going to get last year. Kansas City and the Rams. And I think the, I, sh- the Chiefs uh, break the schneid because Mahomes is awesome. Before I let you go. Um, yeah. By the way, if that was the Super Bowl and, and that was a rematch of the greatest regular season game ever played, uh, I'd be pretty pumped. Yeah, well, uh, anything would be better than last year's uh, snooze fest. Oh, um, how do we feel about the Giants? Daniel Jones fever. Are we buying it? Uh, I mean, did I already place Daniel Jones MVP bets? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I am pumped. Uh, I, I, first of all, I feel like 
the giant season might be bad as it has been. What we're experiencing right now might be the high point of the season. So I'm not, I'm not going to turn away. I'm going to embrace it. Uh, secondly, I understand this is preseason and it's against backups. And I know this doesn't prove that Daniel Jones is going to be good. But it is so much better than the alternative. If he had played in the preseason and gone four for 14 and two picks and... Oh, they'd be up Shit's Creek. They'd be up Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek, everyone would be bugging out. The reactions would be so strong. And no one there would be like, oh, it's just preseason. It would be like, we said he was going to suck. He clearly sucks. So now that he's good, he's been good in the preseason, it's, well, it's just the preseason, which I get it. But it's still, I am excited because he is better. He looks better than I anticipated him looking in the preseason. And it is, it's just refreshing that he's playing well. And it's not like, that I have to endure all of this anti-Daniel Jones talk and just hope that it's just preseason. Um, He's obviously not starting week one. I don't really have so much confidence that he's going to start when I think he should start, i.e. if the Giants are like three and eight, but they somehow can rationalize that Eli has been okay and they're losing because of the defense and they're not going to bench him, which makes no sense because why are you starting him in a losing season for what purpose? Well, so, I mean, th- that, that's a bigger issue than Daniel Jones, but I'm with you here. It, if he was bad, it's a disaster. The fact that he's good, yeah, all my critiques before the draft in terms of maximizing the draft slot with him, I still think hold true. But, yeah. again, if he turns out to be really good, it, none of that matters. None of it matters. And the, uh, it's really such a shame that a Golden Tate is suspended because the first four weeks, I know they start at Dallas week one, which is definitely a difficult game, but that's followed up with Washington, Tampa, and Buffalo. Three definitely winnable games. And, like, it, it was set up that they could be three and one, which would be, you know, the last two years they've been one and seven, so this would be a much better start. No, if they what if they if they were to start off zero and four or one and three, and then it's like okay we see this is happening again, but then the excuse is well you didn't have Golden Tate like oh well they gave up thirty points to Tampa, like, okay so we'll keep starting them oh now they're one and five like at what point is it gonna happen? I don't have confidence that it's gonna happen at what I think is the right point, so until I see it, I just have in my mind that Daniel Jones is only going to start, like, week 17. We shall see. We shall see. Shai, uh, I'd like to thank you again for um, for giving me a lot of your evening, uh, a lot of time. Uh, this was fun. We're going to have to do this again sometime during the season. Um, yeah, yep. fo- yeah, football is back. and uh, Yeah, we did it. We did we it. Did it. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, I obviously like the summer more than most, but then again, <laughs> I'm an NBA guy, so uh, – Always great to talk to you. We're going to have to get you back on Bucket Wednesdays. All right. Yeah. Well, let me know. Absolutely. Speak to you soon, man. All right. Bye. Okay. Uh, I know uh, we had a great conversation with Shai Elberger. Uh, ran a little longer than I anticipated, but it is the start of the U.S. Open. Um, so I needed to get a quick uh, U.S. Open talk with uh, a really, really special recurring guest, my brother Joshua. Joshy, what are you looking for out of the, the men's draw? What should we expect? Well, I guess from what we saw today, a lot of upsets. 
Yeah. Uh, that has been the uh, kind of every tournament. There's a bunch of upsets uh, when it comes to the men's side, uh, women's side as well, but especially the men's side. We have uh, three top players in Rafa, Novak, and Fed who are pretty much consistent, always getting quarters, semifinals, finals. You always see them play. And besides for that, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, team you know, bowed out today, the four seed. And before the tournament, we were talking about how great he's been all year. He bows out in four sets early. Yeah, I mean, for him, he takes on a crazy grueling schedule. Most people try to um, take a little rest time, especially after Wimbledon. They don't play much. He, right after Wimbledon, continues to play because there's a couple of clay court tournaments. So, by this tournament already, he's completely died out. And apparently, I didn't watch the match, but from all the announcers, they said he had absolutely no win. He couldn't hit through anything, and it was he just tires himself out. Which is surprising because day one, there weren't a lot of upsets on the men's side. It was really pretty much smooth sailing, but today was completely different. Um, any of uh, men's players who are under the radar that can make a possible run to the quarters or even maybe the semis if it breaks right? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at two guys, two Russians who uh, one had big one had a big win today over the number six seed. Uh, uh, his name is Andre Rublev. He just recently beat Fed. He's a really good player. Um, I mean, if he can string together a couple of good uh, games together, he can definitely make a run. But uh, obviously, um, outside of the top three, there's one other player who's been the most consistent player uh, this year, Daniel Medvedev. He uh, is coming off a, a big win for him where he beat Novak Djokovic in Cincinnati. Um, so he's playing uh, some of his best tennis uh, of his career. And he's probably, uh, I mean, definitely expected to, or hoping to make the semis of the U.S. Open. Yeah, um, the, the young kid, the young Russian who won today, very lanky. Um, you know, nice ground strokes. I was very, I saw a little bit of him today. Super impressed. What about your boy Stan Warenka coming in at uh, 23? Obviously, he's battled injuries, but, you know, he's won here before. I mean, he's always a guy who you have to watch out for whenever you see him, especially at the U.S. Open with a little bit uh, a slower time with from the court speed so he can have a little time for his ground strokes. I mean, uh, when you watch him, hit the ground strokes at Roland Garros, at the French Open, at U.S. Open, you know, the Australian Open, and he had some of the biggest uh, forehands as well as backhands um, on tour. So, I mean, he's always, a, he's always a force. It's just at this point, it's if his body can hold up. Um, as, uh, as Federer fans, should we be nervous after what we saw last night, or was it just rust? I think it was just rust. I mean, he hasn't necessarily played um, a match on, uh, I mean, besides for when he lost to Rublev, but that was, um, was not really, I guess, used to the surface yet. And playing against all these players, I mean, him at 20% will beat all of these guys and just be able to, should have a cakewalk into the uh, quarterfinals. So um, for him, I'm not worried about him. I mean, it was just a setback. And after that first set, he was pretty dominant against the uh, against the kid. It's a guy 
who he's never seen and no one else really has ever seen. So sometimes those guys are a little tricky. Um, but um, I don't, I mean, you're not going to see him serve 35% yeah. much um, on first serves like he did in the first set, as well as have all the easy unforced errors that he had. And what did so he have? 22 unforced errors in the first set? Something crazy like that. Was... Yeah. So that's not a typical Fed. So, I mean, I don't see him winning this tournament because I don't think he can um, go the full two weeks, especially if he had to um, meet either Rafa or Fed. I or think Novak, it's going to be a Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, Novak or Rafa. I think they just wear him down with the style that they play, especially that late in the tournament. But um, outside of those two, um, I think he shouldn't have any problem. So, uh, quick prediction. Is anybody beating Novak? I think there's only two people who really can. Um, and that's assuming that he's playing well. I mean, if he has a terrible match, anyone on tour can um, beat him. But I think there's only two people in Medvedev because he can outlast him and hit with him like he uh, showed you right now, as well as he was toe-to-toe -to -toe with him at the Australian Open, uh, as well as... Rafa. If Rafa is able to keep these matches short, play a couple of three-setters, easy three-setters to about the quarters or so, and then maybe uh, play a couple of four-setters, um, I think he'll um, be a real tough matchup for Novak. But if he's kind of like what he was last year, going four, five-setters, grueling matches like he had against catching off and team last year and because of that he was too tired to even continue against Chilich. I don't think there's any way that he's going to uh, continue uh, beating Novak. Yeah, I mean, and and obviously if Fed gets stronger, you know, it's it's hard to really count out Federer, but I think no, I think we're heading towards, I actually think it's going to be Novak Fed again, and I think Novak's going to win. But yeah, no, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, this the tournament actually snuck up on me this year. I don't know about you, but I I didn't. I, I'm usually more prepared for it, and it just came out of the blue kind of this year. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the tune-up tournaments, whether it be Toronto as well as Cincinnati, which are usually a bit bigger tournaments, have kind of lost a little bit of their. Um, Player because one tournament Rafa didn't play, one tournament Novak and Fed didn't play. So when you have three guys who are trying to rest themselves, make sure that they're at their peak level in terms of fitness for the all the slams, they take off some big tournaments, which I guess isn't necessarily great for the sport because there aren't the young guys who have all of this uh, following and people kind of watch. Whereas if Fed, Novak, um, and Rafa are in it, everyone's watching these Masters a, a thousand tournaments because you'll at least know who won the finals. But um, I guess some of these, it hasn't necessarily been that case. And the fact that uh, Labor Day is earlier this year. You know, it's like kind of like a week earlier. So we'll... Uh... We'll see what happens. Joshua, always a pleasure talking tennis with you. We're going to have to do it uh, in about two weeks to get the reaction when the tournament's over. Uh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, my man. You know that. I'll speak to you, I'll speak to you soon.
Love you. All right, have a good one. Thanks again to recurring guests, Shai Elberger and my brother Joshua, uh, Josh Tobin Hess, uh, on great conversations tonight. Really an awesome episode. Uh, and that's episode 55 for the love of the game. Again, powered by Overtime Media. Take us out, Jeezy. You f with me, I put my foot in yet. So I got a million in stash. I stake my money so tall that you might need a giraffe when you was counting this cash. R.I.P. 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 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.